Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David answers a question about creation and whether God created the world in seven days or was the Big Bang the creation. Let's listen. Well, we are almost done with our summer of questions. It's been so fun to do that through the summer, but we've got this week and next week before we've answered all the questions, at least to the best of our ability. And today's question is a really good one. I mean, they all have been, but today's question turned in from the congregation is this. Did God make the world in seven days or was it the Big Bang? How do we reconcile these two different theories? I believe that this is the type of question that many of us have wondered at some point in our lives, but have been maybe afraid to verbalize it. Because when you say it out loud, it's almost like you're forced to pick a side. Well, do I believe in the Bible or do I believe in science? And that doesn't really feel good, does it, to be put in the middle of those two options. And so the first thing I want you to hear me say today is that I do not believe science and faith compete with one another. I believe God created the world and that science helps teach us how God created the world. And the more we learn from science, the more we'll understand the particular ways that God created this amazing world that we live in. So yes, our starting point today is that science and faith are partners, not competitors. Now I know that's easy to say in theory, isn't it? It's a little bit harder in practice when you start diving into the particular questions like the one we have today. So let's just go ahead and start with the question Because today's question truly is about the origin of the universe. Now, I want to start by affirming that none of us were there when it happened, right? That's probably where we need to start. Everything we say about this topic has to be on some level speculative because we were not there. But here's what we do know. The leading theory is that there was a moment in time when an explosion of energy occurred. One moment, there was nothing, and the next, there was an explosion of energy. This has commonly been referred to as the Big Bang. Now, you might be saying, okay, yeah, I've heard that before, but what really does that mean? What really is the Big Bang? Well, here's how NASA defines it. The the Big Bang is how astronomers explain the way the universe began. It is the idea that the universe began as just a single starting point, then expanded and stretched to grow as large as it is right now, and it is still stretching. Isn't that interesting to think about? That the universe that we live in today is still stretching and still expanding it's still growing. And how do we know this? Well, we know this because of the Hubble telescope. Yes, in 1929, someone named Edwin Hubble created this new telescope that could see farther than we've ever seen before. And what he realized is that the farther out you look at, the more distant the galaxy, the farther or the faster it's moving away from us. 
And so the theory developed, it emerged that at some point in time, the universe was like this before it expanded, exploded, and continues to expand to this day. Now, I recognize some of us are more visual learners, and so I found a video that is a one-minute National Geographic about how this may have happened. It didn't work at the first service. Booth, do we think it's going to work? I got the thumbs up, so let's, let's try it. Let's try this video. The universe is everything, from the tiniest particles to the largest galaxies to the very existence of space, time, and life. But how did it all begin? The origin of the universe is the origin of everything. Multiple scientific theories plus creation myths from around the world have tried to explain its mysterious genesis. However, the most widely accepted explanation is the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory states that the universe began as a hot and infinitely dense point. Only a few millimeters wide, it was similar to a supercharged black hole. About 13.7 billion years ago, this tiny singularity violently exploded. And it is from this explosion, this bang, that all matter, energy, space, and time were created. Honestly, I think this is one of those moments where faith and science can partner very well together. Because something that science cannot explain is, how did that infinitely dense point even start? How did that get creative? If that's what the Big Bang exploded from, well, where did that come from? For centuries, Christians have asserted that God created out of nothing. That there was nothing and then there was something. The Christian doctrine is called ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. That term was first used in the second century by Irenaeus. And the idea behind this comes from the very first verse in the Bible. In the beginning. And the beginning of what? Well, the beginning of everything. The beginning of this universe, the beginning of time itself, and in the beginning, God, right? God created, and God created everything that we know. God created the heavens, and God created the earth. So in one moment of time, there was nothing except God, and God is existence itself. God is self-existent, and in the next moment, God created, or that's from the first verse in the Bible, but if you look in the New Testament, they're still talking about this. Here's how Paul puts it. Paul says, God gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Because God called the universe into being. God spoke it into existence. So as far as I'm concerned, if God chose to create through what we call the Big Bang, it would simply by speaking the world into existence with the words, let there be. Famous author and pastor Tim Keller talks about the relationship between science and faith. 
And here's how he puts it. I really like this. He says, many people today, both secular and Christian, want us to believe that science and religion cannot live together. Not only is this untrue, but we believe that a thoughtful dialogue between science and faith is essential for engaging the hearts and minds of individuals today. That is what I hope for today, that this becomes a thoughtful dialogue where we can openly express our questions instead of hiding them inside of us, saying, what does this mean? How did we get here? How do I reconcile all these things? This church is a safe place for questions. And none of us has all the answers. But in community, we do the best we can with the best we have to understand all we can. So let's get into some of the specifics. The specifics of, well, what about the days? Didn't God create the world in seven days? Because if that's true, then what science tells us about the world being millions of years old would not be true. And the question asked, how do we reconcile these two things? Well, my contention is that we should not try to reconcile those two things because each of them are serving a unique purpose. I believe that science seeks to explain how we got here and that faith seeks to explain why we are here. And you need both of those realms of study and discovery, the how and the why. So the creation stories in Genesis, they were given to us as theological texts. What that means, theological, is that they are texts that speak about God. They are not given to the Israelites as a scientific textbook, trying to explain the how of everything. Instead, they were given to the Israelites and later to us to explain why we're here. Why am I on this planet right now? What is my purpose for being here? And who is God? And what relationship am I supposed to have with God? You see, these are theological questions, not scientific questions. And these are questions that honestly science cannot explore. There's deeper purposes in one's life that cannot be measured by something like the scientific method, for instance. So my encouragement for Christians is to not compare the stories of Genesis with every scientific theory that you see out there because you're not comparing apples to apples. They are trying to explain different things. Instead, as you read through the Genesis creation stories, there are two questions that you should be asking, and they are theological questions. The questions are, what does this story teach me about God? And what does this story teach me about myself? Why I'm here? What my purpose is? These were the sort of questions that these stories in Genesis were created to answer. So let's get back to that specific question. What about the days? The whole seven-day thing? Well, again, it's my contention that Genesis was not written to tell you how old the earth is. The author of these creation stories wasn't really concerned with that. That wasn't on the radar of the author when the author was creating this. No, instead, the author cares 
that we understand that we are God's creation and that the entirety of the cosmos was created with care and intention and design by God. That's what Genesis is trying to share with us. But don't take my word for it. Here's in the fourth century, St. Augustine uh, wrote a commentary on Genesis. And St. Augustine wrote so much that the church holds sacred and dear. But I read some of the commentary this week and just found it fascinating. Uh, Here's what he says about the 24-hour days. He says, ordinary 24-hour days are not at all like the days of Genesis 1, but very, very different. And the reason he said this is because that Hebrew word for day, which is yom, it can mean a 24-hour period of time, or it can mean an age, or a span of time, or an epoch. It's like when I say, oh, in my day, I'm not referring to a specific day, am I? I'm referring to a span of time. Oh, in my day and age. You see how language is interesting, isn't it? And can be used in different ways. And so Augustine and many of the early church leaders, they weren't at all concerned with how the Genesis text lined up with scientific text. What they were concerned with was what Genesis taught them about humanity and about their relationship with God. And so what I would like to do is I would like to read some of these texts from Genesis. And as we're reading them, I want us to ask these theological questions. Every text that we come across, I want you to wonder, okay, what is this saying about God? What is this teaching me about God? And what is this saying about myself? my deeper purpose, my reason that I'm here. So let's begin with Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We're told, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Does anyone know what the word man in Hebrew is. This is one of those reasons why it's really great that in seminary they force you to take both Hebrew and Greek. Every seminarian gets into seminary and goes, oh no, I don't want to read and learn these historic languages. I mean, when would I ever use them? But then you come across something like this and you go, oh, these nuggets of wisdom. Okay, I understand this verse better now because I know the original language. And this is one of those verses because the word man in Hebrew is Adam. And what that means is that when you read the Genesis text, there's a double meaning when you come across the name Adam. Adam is both a name of someone but it's also the Hebrew word for man or mankind, all of humanity. And the reason that it's used in that way is because we're supposed to understand this as our story. When you read Genesis, this is about us. This is about why we're here. We're supposed to put ourselves into the story. And I hope that's true for you. 
When you read through these texts, so often our minds go, well, how does this conflict with this scientific thing or that thing? But really, when we read these stories, we're supposed to say, oh, this is my story. This, is, this means something to me. This is speaking about my purpose for being here on this earth. And so already in this one verse we read, we learn that we're here because we were created by God to be here. We learn that we are sustained by the very breath of God. I mean, every breath that you take, every deep breath, you learn, oh, God allows me to take that breath. I am created and sustained by God. These are the theological things that this text is trying to teach us, that we are made to be in relationship with God. Let's do another one. A little bit later in Genesis, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. All right, so what is this teaching about yourself and about God? Well, what I see here is that we were made to work. We were made to take care of the earth and that God designed us with unique gifts and talents and passions that are meant to be used in the world. And your gifts are different than your gifts. We all were created differently, but we're meant to use them in the world. And honestly, it feels best when you're using your gifts, doesn't it? You, you end up saying, ah, oh, this is the reason why I'm here, right? Because it feels so natural, because this is how you were created. And we were created with these gifts and then placed in a certain place on this earth. To do what? Not to exploit it, but to tend to it, to care for this earth, to be good stewards of the earth. You see, there's so much that these verses are teaching us about ourselves. Let's go on. Later, we learn that it's not good for humanity to be alone. I mean, gosh, haven't we learned that lesson these past couple years? It is not good for us to be isolated from one another. Why? Because we are created as a relational species. We need each other. And that's why later on, we're told that's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Not two, but one. So what have we learned so far? Why were we created? Well, we're created to be in relationship with our creator, with God, and to be in relationship with one another, because we're a relational species. All of us understand that that doesn't work all the time, does it? I mean, our relationships become broken, or we forget that we should be in relationship with God, and we kind of do our own thing, and we, I bet at times you kind of wonder, well, why? If this is how God made us to be, then why does it feel so broken sometimes? Well, if we keep reading Genesis, it also tells us about that. Here's Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, the snake is a symbol. It's an ancient symbol that's used in the world 
And if you had to guess, just think in your mind, what would the snake symbolize? I mean, what do you mean when you call someone else a snake? Well, it's, you're saying you're not trustworthy, right? The snake is a symbol of temptation, a symbol of evil. And that's how the snake is being used in this story, where the snake is trying to get the person who is created by God to question the creator. And remember, this is our story. You're supposed to put yourself in the story. And you're supposed to recognize that we too question our creator, don't we? Now, I know you don't have a talking snake coming up to you trying to get you to question God, but you've got that voice in the back of your head, don't you? That nagging doubt that says, I wonder if that's actually true. I wonder if God's actually here. Yes, we are a part of this story. We're not so different from this. And so, the snake trying to get Eve to question says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, if you look just one chapter before, you realize that's not at all what God said. No, God actually commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, you will certainly die. So the serpent twists the words of God. Doesn't just say the opposite, right? Because that would be easy to call out. No, that's not what God said. But takes the words of God and just twists it a little bit. Well, the woman responds. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say... You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Did God say that last part? No, right? So Eve, in trying to remember God's words, actually adds to it and says, well, we can eat from more trees. There's just the one tree we can't eat from, and in fact, we can't even touch it. No, because if we touch it, then we will die. That's one of the reasons it's so important to know God's word. Because in the moment we need it, when we're trying to talk back to those negative thoughts, to those nagging doubts, it's important to know what God actually said. Eve gets close, but not quite completely accurate. She adds to God's word, and the serpent pounces. The serpent says, oh, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember, this is our story. You're supposed to envision yourself in Eve's place, standing in front of that tree, being tempted to eat of that forbidden fruit. And what is the the heart of that temptation? to become like God. And that is still the heart of our temptation. This story, this theological story, teaches us that we were created by God. And yet the temptation is always to reject our creator and to become our own gods, to go our own way in life. And every day, the hope as Christians It's to say, no, 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 I want to be in a proper relationship with God. And I want to be in proper relationship with one another. 
And I can only do that through my relationship with God. I don't want to become my own God. It's still a choice we face. So I ask you, does any of this have to do with how we got here scientifically? It doesn't, right? Because that's not the point of this story. This story is about something much deeper than that. It is about why we are here. It's what this is teaching us about God and ourselves. And so back to the very original question. I would encourage you all to learn as much from the Bible as you can about why you are here on this earth in existence. And also learn all that you can from science about how God created this amazing world that we live in. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.